Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. On this Thursday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Wet, rainy, cloudy, I love it. Cold. I love it. Love it. And... Seattle got here early, huh? Seattle man. got here early. He meant to that. Sucks bitch. for those fans, right? Like, wait a second. I came here for sunshine. Yeah, you know what? Spend your tax dollars here. That's fine. Spend your spend your restaurant money here and your hotel money here. The tourism industry thanks you for your visit. Sure. If the Seattle I mean, fans are in here. Go home with a loss. Hopefully. Hopefully. That would be, boy, boy wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Coming here on Monday. I mean, this week has been... Hasn't this, this, like with the Cardinals, doesn't it feel like it's been a heavy week? Like, we've gotten into a lot of, like, serious stuff this week. We've talked about Cliff. We've talked about that awful loss this past. We've talked about Patrick Peterson. We've talked about a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. Wouldn't it be refreshing to just come in here on Monday and talk about beat the Seattle Seahawks? And, like, reinventing. Okay, you you know know what what the alternative is? Yeah, what's that? Mock drafts. No, seriously. I, it's true. Three and six, we're done. Like yeah. the, three, f- Meaningless football for the rest of the year if they lose this game to Seattle. Meaningless football. Three and six with eight to play. It's funny. We had previously talked about the three-game stretch. <laughs> you know, the, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the 49ers coming up. Uh-huh. But I heard Zoe, Lorenzo Alexander, talking about this with Wolf and Luke when I was driving in today. And he kind of said the same thing. It's like, you can look at it as a three-game stretch. And it is. It's an important three-game stretch. You lose to Seattle, and it's almost like, what do the other two even matter? Now, you could come back and win the two, and you would have still accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. But there does seem to be that feel of, man, you lose to Seattle. Forget the three-game stretch. Just look at a one-game stretch. You lose to Seattle, you're three and six, and you're 0-3 oh in the three division. Three and six, 0-3 oh in the division. Yeah. And you've already lost the tiebreak at a Seattle. Because you've lost two games to them, so for some reason, if you go on a roll and they don't, and you end up tied, you lose the tiebreaker. You'll, you're starting to lose all the tiebreaker. Now three and six, I think we started talking about the mock drafts. I mean, I thought we. I, I mean, you get to three and six. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that I want to win a whole lot of games going forward. I want the better draft pick. Might be about the draft pick at that point. I mean, that's how I think. Now, other people may not think that way, but to me, what, what the hell's the difference between, you know, 6 and 11 and, you know, 4 and 13? Give me 4 and 13 every day of the four week. 4 and 13, you're picking third. No, just fourth. give me it. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. You're picking third or fourth or fifth yeah. in the draft, 6 and 11. That sounds terrible. And you're picking eighth. Or, yeah, it's, it's, but hard. I root, it's how I root. It's hard to root for that, right? Like, it's hard to sit there and invest three hours of your Sunday every week and say, okay, here we go. I'm sitting down. I'm watching my team, and I want them to lose. You know, we did this for years with the Suns. You know, that's that's a difficult ask as a fan, right? Sit there and want your team to lose, but at the end of the day, you do recognize that the higher draft pick, probably when it's all said and done, is better. What a what a cheery start to today's Burns and Gambo show. Goodness gracious! Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. 
Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Cruising the Cardinals are to spring and upsets. They're going to have to deal, and we'll talk about that word that I specifically used in just a moment. Let's talk about how it's going to happen, and how it's going to have to happen is starting with stopping the NFC's Offensive Rookie of the Month for the month of October, and that would be one Kenneth Walker. Trust my evaluation, right? That <laughs> he was a special back, and he is. I mean, and obviously the more he plays, the better he looks, and every game he's making, he's making, uh, you know, runs that that that's special. I mean, he's making guys miss. He's breaking tackles with his quickness and with his power in his legs. He's catching the ball better. So watching this kid early on, I knew he was going to be a good player, but boy, he's coming on fast, and every game he's making a game-changing play. Yeah, Penny goes out. He's had five games this month. Only three of them starts, by the way. And he's got 432 rushing yards. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry. He's got five touchdowns. He's got he's got touchdown runs of 69 yards, 74 yards. He gets in the open field. He's gone. Forget it. You're not catching him. So he, uh, you know, he, he did not play early. He had that hernia procedure. Kept him out of the season opener. Started behind Penny. Penny goes out. He gets an opportunity, and he is absolutely taking full advantage of. Yeah, he has, uh, and he's got his teammates buzzing about him right now. The, the running back from Seattle, Geno Smith, his quarterback, talking about what he's learned from Kenneth, Kenneth Walker this year. As the season's going along, um, I'm learning that Kenneth uh, Walker is just uh, a tremendous player, but also a tremendous human being. Uh, he studies hard, works hard. You know, he wants to be coached. He asks the right questions, uh, and, and I, I think his career is going to continue to just continue to blow up. And uh, the sky's the limit for him. Um, He's got all the athletic ability. Uh, he's tough. Uh, he can run between the tackles, get outside the tackles, make guys miss. And he's also a really good uh, pass catcher and in protection. So uh, he's going to continue to grow and get better, which is, I think, scary because he's already pretty good. Funny, just three weeks ago when these two teams played, we were talking about Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator. You heard from him a second ago. And how the Cardinals have this knack, at least back then, of taking the best offensive weapon for the opposition and kind of shutting them out, taking them out, removing them from the game plan, Right. Well, three weeks ago when these two teams met, it was DK Metcalf. And then we looked at DK Metcalf's numbers and historically they're not good against the Arizona Cardinals. They do a good job of taking DK Metcalf out. The assignment has changed for the Cardinals. It's not DK Metcalf. That's not the guy you have to worry about. If Vance's mission of eliminating the best player on the other team, that's what he's trying to do. He's got to eliminate Kenneth Walker. And that's a tough task. You know, we talk so much about like big explosive plays in the passing game. Oh, Kyle doesn't have a 40-yard pass, but everybody else does. We talk about, here's Kyler with the accuracy from 20 yards to 40, and, 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 and we go over that, but we don't talk a lot about explosive running plays of 20 yards or more. And that's where you look at a guy like Kenneth Walker, and you're like, wow, just blown away, and, and limited. So here's your leaders. Most rushes of 20-plus yards in the NFL. Nick Chubb, who's killing it this year, he has nine of them. Saquon Barkley has six. Travis Etienne has six. And then Kenneth Walker is five. This kid hasn't played very much, and he's got five. Derrick Henry has five. Lamar Jackson has five. Tony Pollard has five. But there's only three players in the league that have more explosive running plays of 20 yards or more than he does, and he hasn't played a whole lot. No, So, like, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say this is going to be one of the biggest challenges for the Cardinals defense this year, stopping this kid. Yeah, especially, uh, and especially, 
if the Cardinals follow the script that they've followed just about every game they've played so far this year. Fall behind early and look out. Fall behind early to the Seattle Seahawks and look out because it's going to be heavy, heavy, heavy doses. Now, even if you get up early, which hasn't happened very often, you still might get heavy doses of them because of what he means to the game plan for him and overall what they're trying to do up there. But if this is another one of those 14-3, to right? You look up at the scoreboard and you, you kick a field goal in the first quarter and you're chasing a double-digit deficit, you know, early in the second quarter of this game, man, you're going to get Kenneth Walker to death on Sunday afternoon. And they're just going to be able to milk that lead and play from the lead and rely on their defense, which has been so good. Uh, Geno Smith thought all along that Kenneth Walker could be special. Training camp, we gave, we gave him like a toss to the left and uh, he put his foot in the ground, went, you know, went right, put his foot in the ground, went back left, went back right. And it was like, not many people can do that. I, you know, I'll probably tear something if I try to do something like that. <laughs> um, the, the guy's just special, man. He's got a uh, unique ability and, uh, you know, he, he he's also just equally a hard worker and just a great person. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's it's great for him to be able to, uh, you know, have this type of success and also for our team, you know, because he's a, he's a big part of it. Yeah, big game. I mean, you can't, you know, you, you, Vance has been very good at limiting the best player on other teams. Okay, the Cardinals have a little bit of a bend, but don't break defense. But there's been a couple of games this year where it's broke. Last week. Um, last week, the Kansas City game. New Orleans had a lot of yards, but yeah. they didn't get a lot of points. So that might have been a sign. Last week, I did not think the defense played well at all. I thought that was the first time since the Kansas City game. It was like, ah, yeah, you guys didn't really do anything. I couldn't stop the run. Couldn't stop, you know, some big plays on the passing game. I didn't think they played well. You come into this game and you, you know, you, you've done a good job of shutting DK Metcalf out throughout his career. And I think you, I think you just, you got to focus on stopping Kenneth Walker. You got to not let him get those explosive runs. I mean, he's had two gigantic touchdown runs. He's a hard guy to tackle. He's shifty. He gets in the open field. There's a good chance he's going to be gone. Speaking of DK Metcalf, he was telling reporters yesterday up in Seattle that his knee is good. He feels funny. He played last week. Nobody thought he was going to, but he played last week against tough the Giants. Guy. Yeah, tough guy. So it appears that he's going to go this week. The other thing that kind of surprised me about this game is the early predictions are starting to come in is how many people can, I mean, I guess they're going just by the spread, right? Like if I, if you were a writer at NFL.com and I said, pick your four biggest upsets of the week. Okay. The first thing you're going to do is go to a betting website and you look at who the underdogs are, right? Yeah. Seattle's an underdog in this game. And so everyone's picking to, well, my, one of my upset specials of the week is Seattle beating Arizona. And it's kind of like, man, what have you been watching all year long, right? I mean, it's kind of like sort of those, really? Seattle's the underdog in this game? It's not, it's more of the just not believing that Seattle is real. Like, it's almost like, you know, not believing what they're seeing that Geno Smith is, should be the favorite, you know, in a road game. It's, but they've done everything right. I'm shocked at that too, right? I'm kind of shocked at that too, because that seems like Seattle's in first place. The Cardinals are in last place and the Cardinals are favorite, even though the game's at home, but the Cardinals don't win at home. They don't win. They've had one win at home in the last year. Yeah. So they didn't even win at home. I was so surprised. Like that should be that should be a factor I there. I clicked on the link today on NFL.com just looking to see what else they picked. And, and the first game they listed is that the, here's your upset for a week, whatever it is. That's it's, such a guy. You should never be allowed to pick an upset. That's a three point game or less. The Seahawks over the Cardinals. Like, that's an upset? We're, we're considering the first place team beating the last place team. That's an upset? I, okay. I would never take I would never take an upset of three points or less and be like, I'm, that's my upset of the week. Come on. It does 
seem a little soft, doesn't it? Oh, like, like, go out there on a limb. It, it, Come yeah. on. Go out there. Go out there. Come on. A little further. A little further, NFL.com. Yeah, go a little further. It's got to be more, than, be more than three points. Has to be more than three to pick it. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Thursday, if you wanted to hear some more support for the offense, Cliff Kingsbury calls. We got it for you. Somebody supporting it. Next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, hanging out with you on this Thursday afternoon. Thank you for hanging out with us and letting us keep you company wherever you are, whatever you might be doing, listening at home, on your device, in the car, when you're out hiking. Although everyone's out hiking in this rain today. Uh, wherever it is that you're listening to us, man, we do appreciate it. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. Yesterday, he met with the media, the Cardinals wide receiver, who has been targeted 27 times in the two games since his return. He is on pace, even though he's missed the first six games of the season. Statistically, he is on pace for one of his best seasons ever as an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, 1,400 plus yards. Freaky, weird, crazy, but that's just how much he's been used so far in the two games that he's been back. He was asked, I think, a really good question, and I haven't heard the answer. Are the struggles of the team, and in particular on offense, starting to weigh on the guys a little? Here's what he said. No, I don't think it's weighing on anyone. It's a long season. The division is still up for grabs. Uh, so for us, it's, you know, thinking about the things that we did right, trying to, trying to you know, improve those and things obviously that we, we didn't do right, definitely working on those in practice. But for us, that's what I love about this, this offense. We don't panic, and you guys seen that uh, from how we play. I could use a little panic this week. Uh, it's a long season. Yeah, no, not really. Not now. Like, it's like not you're now. 50. After Sunday, you're more than 50% done. Yeah. Nine games done. And if you've only got three wins with eight to play, you're talking about having to go six and two. Yeah. And when I say I want to panic, I mean, I don't want them to go out and play. We've seen plenty of hectic panic type play offensively, right? It's, it's been discombobulated from the start. And we'll obviously we've been talking about that all week long. I don't mean that necessarily, but, but I, I don't, I don't want them to come out and play Sunday's game like, ah, oh, it's a long season. We got plenty of time. You don't, you don't, you don't have plenty of time. You, the season might very well ride, live and die on whether you win this game on Sunday. Because if you lose, you might be right. It yeah. might be time to start looking at mock drafts. It might be time to start thinking about next year. It might, it's going to be time to start thinking about whether Cliff is going to be the coach of this team. So I, I understand where D-Hop is coming from, and I understand kind of the nature of why he asked the que- he answered the question. Hey, we're cool. All's well. We're fine. Nothing to worry about here. We got this. We're all right. I want them to be a little panicked. I want them to have that kind of urgency. Desperation. This, this game's got it in spades, yeah. man. You want desperation. They got to play as a desperate football team, knowing that the season's on the brink right here. Yeah, the season's on the line. I mean, it, it's the reality is if you do lose this game and you're three and six, what are you going to say? You can't go back. It's a long season. We still got a lot of games to play. The division's still up for grabs. Man, there's too many teams ahead of you. You know, you're starting to lose tiebreakers. So you not only have to finish, you can't even finish tied with these teams. You got to finish ahead of them. You know, so it becomes, it becomes almost an impossible task. Can't win a division game. Not, you know, it's, I, I think that this is a must win game. Now, we said two out of three, and I get it. You could lose this one, win the next two, but it's just 
what you're, you're, if you lose this one, what you're asking them to do is win six out of their final eight games. That would include two in a row against San Francisco and the Rams. I, I just like I, I don't see it. See, you, I don't see it. When you frame it like that, it just seems like that. Right, that that's why, is way too big. To that's climb. why I think it's just they have to win this game. Uh, now, as far as the ongoing conversation about. Playing, uh, calling plays, and Cliff Kingsbury and the job that he's doing. Do you, and we played this soundbite yesterday, but we really didn't let it breathe a whole lot. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the job that Cliff is doing. Like I said, I play a lot of balls, so there are a lot of things that I see, uh, but at the same time, Cliff does a great job of calling plays and, and putting us in position. It's just on us to execute. Loves to play calls because they're all going to him. <laughs> I, hey, I couldn't be happy with all these play calls. See how many targets I got? 27. I, you see, I'm on, I, have, I missed six games. I'm on pace for like 125 catches and 1,400 yards. Play calls are great. Nothing to see here. Keep calling those plays, Cliff. You're a great play caller. Yeah. Best in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't really get into that yesterday, but that is a really funny way and probably not entirely untrue way of looking at it too, right? I got no problem with it. Right. I'm getting the ball a ton. I'm on pace for one of my best seasons ever. But I also I also think and, and Kyler was asked this question a couple of weeks ago. And Kyler gave the, come on, man, don't ask. The, 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 no, man, we're not changing play callers. We're fine. If nothing else, I do like... I like the leaders offensively of the Cardinals standing up for their guy, right? Because they Cliff's embattled right now. Cliff is Cliff is wearing it every single week, right? Whether it's on talk radio or on Twitter or on social media or whatever. Cliff Kingsbury is having a hard time right now kind of selling his vision of things to the fans. If nothing else, I like Kyler and I like D-Hop standing up for their guy because can you imagine the alternative? Can you imagine the chaos that we would be dealing well, with have few, if D-Hop yeah. comes out and says, no, man, I don't like to play calls at all. I don't, I don't know if our guy knows what he's doing. We'd be plunged in total darkness. We would be. It'd be. I mean, you think it's bad now. You've got a quarterback calling out the coach for his yeah, play once, call. Once they stop pointing fingers. Star wide receiver calling out a coach for play call. Blaming somebody oh, for it. Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, that got to you. Remember when Steve, I mean, listen, this is what did Steve Wilkes in. I mean, it wasn't just the losses, but it was, uh, man, these guys aren't, we, 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 put, we have a great game plan. These game plans are good every week, and they're not getting the job done. I mean, he blamed the players. If you remember the quotes from Steve Wilkes, a lot of it was blaming it on, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not executing it. They're not, schemes like, are the, great. Schemes, schemes are great. great. The yep. plays are great. They're just not getting it done. That was blaming the players. Yeah. That was the beginning of the end for him. Didn't seem to work well in the room. Now, on the other side of the field, we made a big deal, rightfully so, on Monday of A.J. Green getting 35 snaps and Robbie Anderson getting seven. Didn't make any sense. A.J. Green was a guy who had been benched against the New Orleans Saints. Why is he getting all these snaps over the guy that you went out and acquired in a trade that you had the mini bye week to get him ready? Cliff, yesterday, we planned to, his words, four Speed, Robbie Anderson. He's made big strides. Yeah, I hope he can have a, a larger role this week. Uh, we're going to try to force feed some stuff and try to get him out there a little bit more. I'm all for it. I don't know why they couldn't get him, you know, more involved last week. And, you know, A.J. Green, the amount of snaps A.J. Green has makes no sense. Listen, desperate times calls for desperate measures. Robbie Anderson's trying to prove himself right now, okay? The way it ended in Carolina was bad. This guy's been a good receiver in this league before, has had over 1,000 yards. He's looking for an opportunity. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give him the chance to prove that he can play in this league, that he can earn that next contract. Those hungry guys, you want to feed those hungry guys, okay? Because they got something to prove. They are playing for their next contract. So for him, 
I, I, you got to try to get him the ball. AJ Green, I'm not saying AJ Green, AJ Green's not trying, but he's at the end of his career. This is his last year. He knows it. Everybody else knows it. Where Robbie Anderson's trying to prove that he could stay in this league for a few more years, prove that he can still help a team. He's fast. He's big. Get him the ball. Yeah, I, it was honestly one of the most surprising things about last week's game against Minnesota. Like a lot of it, you could have almost seen coming. That I, for a guy to not play one week and then be getting snaps over the guy that you made the trade for mid-season. I mean, you know, is it a trade that's getting highly graded? No. Most of the people who are grading NFL trades at or around the deadline aren't giving the Cardinals tremendously high marks, but one way to go out, and I think a lot of that had to do with how little they used them. Why are you giving up a, what was it, a fifth and a sixth? Yeah. To get a guy who was going to play seven snaps after you had a week and a half to acclimate him to the system? I, I mean, it, it. I get it. It's a complicated system, and you're asking him to learn things brand new on the fly, but the San Francisco 49ers didn't have any problems using Christian McCaffrey extensively in their game against the LA Rams, no, right? He and, was, and, and that he was, was involved in passing. He was involved in catching. He was, you know, we're not asking Robbie Anderson to do everything the 49ers are asking CMC to do, and yet they had no problem implementing him rapidly for that important game against the Rams. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, look at the time frame that McCaffrey got there and how quickly they incorporated him in. Why couldn't you do the same thing with Robbie Anderson? It was the same time frame. It's the same time frame. It was frame. exactly the same time So frame. why was the San Francisco 49ers able to incorporate Christian McCaffrey, who has a lot more responsibilities as a running back than a wide receiver does, right? Picking up blitzes, recognizing blitzes, all of that stuff, protection involved, you know, catching the ball, running the ball. Why were they able to incorporate him so quickly, but the Cardinals couldn't do it with Robbie Anderson? Why? Why? Why does Christian McCaffrey get all those carries and he was, he was an impact player? But yet, we, you you have you've got no you got four targets for Robbie Anderson in two games because yeah. he's not because you can't incorporate him in. I don't know. Texas, your thoughts? Maybe you know. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now? We we'll get a chance. We'll read the best ones on the air. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Cam Johnson had himself a career night on Tuesday, and as it turns out, we weren't the only ones that were paying attention to that. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric is here with today's Twitter poll question of the day. I actually want to give a shout out to Luke Lipinski. He inspired this question with a conversation they were having on their show earlier today. Okay. Um, I imagine a lot of people are going to vote one way again, but I'm I'm kind of rationalizing the question out loud before we reveal it. I'm sure it's going to be pretty one-sided, but I wanted to see how many people voted the other way. Okay? Okay. Eric, take it away. It's a pretty interesting situation with what's going on in Phoenix and Jay Crowder right now. Obviously, a starter last year, but now he's not with the team, and well, they're doing just fine. So, would the current state of the Suns vibes, everything being great, stop you from welcoming Jay Crowder back if he desired to do so? Yes or no? Oh, okay, I like it. I like it. It's a hypothetical question, because I, and I want to make clear on this. Okay. We've got no indication that Jay wants to come back. If anything, just the opposite, to be honest with you, after what we saw last night on social media. But phrase the question for me again, one more time. Would the current state of the Suns' vibes stop you from welcoming back Jay Crowder if he desired to return? No. 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 But... How many people said yes? This one is a pretty big blowout. It's a even 70 to 30 split okay. in favor of no. Everybody's saying as long as he accepts that role on the bench, mm-hmm. we're peachy keen. 
I'd make him bring in donuts every day for a week. <laughs> I'd make Something. him make little highlight videos of everybody so they can all look cool in black I'd, and white. I'd make him bring in donuts. Hey, Jay, you were a real pain in the butt the last couple Jay, of weeks. Jay, we just can't let this slide. Most of donuts on you every single week for the next two months. Uh, the donuts are freaking good. Most of donuts? The donuts oh, are good. fantastic. They're so good. I eat donuts like twice a year. Every time I drive by a bolsa of donuts, I think, yeah, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, sh- I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I, shouldn't, yeah. I won't. Keep walking. Keep driving. Uh, okay, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Thank you, Eric. It's a 70-30. Well, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was going to be closer to 80-20. Oh, no, really? no, I thought yeah. it was going to be 80-20. I thought most people were going to be, and most people are, but I thought it was going to be even a larger I'm number. Retweet that bad like, boy out. Okay. We're going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take him back in a second. Now, part of the I'm reason. Gonna, let's see if we can Send it to Jay Crowder. <laughs> well, he'll just respond in all caps. <laughs> he'll yell at us. One must work where he is wanted. <laughs> all ca- it's like Jay, Jay, caps lock. On, it's right there on the left side of your keyboard. Just, just, just press that little caps lock button and quit yelling at me on Twitter. I just quote tweeted it and tagged him. <laughs> Maybe he sees it as a peace offering. I just quote tweeted it and tagged him. Uh, exactly. You, you want know, us to be? You want us to be the go between the the moderator? Yeah, we'll be right. the moderator. We'll, we'll do it. We'll be the. We'll, we'll be the moderator. We'll, we'll the make negotiator. It work. You know, read Set, statements like Chris Haynes on TNT. Send us in during the during the crisis, and and Gambo and I, you know, the yeah. voice of calm, cool. We're collected. Yeah. We're good to go. I'm afraid he's going to respond and. And then just delete whatever he says, though. Probably. And that's what inspired this whole question was uh, StatMuse Twitter account. All they do is harmlessly tweet out stats, right? Harmlessly. Just, harmlessly. Just right. hey, here's a stat you might want to know. This one, okay, it was harmless, but it also, I guess it had a little bit of a little bit of an edge to it. Sent out a tweet uh, two nights ago after Cam Johnson's big night against the Timberwolves. Yeah. Cam Johnson had more points tonight than Jake Crowder ever had as a oh, son. Oh, man. That's why, like, why you got to do Why you got to go dirty like that? Okay, I guess, you know what, a second thought, that's not harmless. No, that's 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 a slap in the face to Jake, right? That's a little little, little knife in the back right there. That's a little dig. That's a little dig. That's a big dig. 29 points and seven threes, they point out. More points. Jay Crowder's never done that. And StatMuse isn't wrong. I looked it up. As a Phoenix Sun, Jay Crowder's high was 26 points against the Rockets in April of 2021, I think. So he retweets it. And of course, be in all caps. April 12th, 2021, eight trays, but really, who's counting? I'm happy for the young fella. Played his ass off last night. Please don't hype this. You know my body. Exclamation point. You know my body? I'm thinking means like his body of work. Oh, my body of work. Like, like, okay, okay, you know what I've done. Right. You know, you got my resume. You've seen it. All right. Okay. He deleted it. He tweeted it. Deleted it. I don't know what the time frame was. It was long enough for somebody to take a screen grab of it. And Nothing Dave, ever gets deleted. No, I know. It just doesn't. It does not. I know that. Because <laughs> she's like, you could be like, ah, I put it out there. You know, listen, I mean, it, it means that he's paying attention. He's looking. He's obviously watching the games. He was happy for Cam Johnson. But, I mean, he could have easily came back with that. I had 18 rebounds in a game once. What's the most Jay, he's ever had? You know, I could have done that. Jay, Jay Crowder, career high in rebounds. He had 18 rebounds in a basketball game once. 18 mm-hmm. rebounds. Okay? I mean, Cam Johnson's never done that. I don't know if he ever will do that. But he didn't, like, he was just, I, I do think that the stat use, that blue is a dig. 
hey, Jay Crowder's never done this. Look at Cam in the starting lineup. And he said nice things about Cam, but it shows you that he's paying attention, shows you that he's aware of everything that's going on. And he didn't take any... He didn't take any digs at Cam Johnson. He, no. He didn't. No, but... He, and obviously, he regretted it after he tweeted it out. I'm sure. And I, I would imagine somebody in his circle kind of got at him and said, yeah, probably not a good idea. You know, probably, let's, let's not do that. Maybe that's why he deleted it. I don't know. I got to imagine from Jay's perspective, and not that we have any sympathy for Jay Crowder at all, okay? This is, this is his bed that he made. He's lying in it. He didn't want to be here, okay? You're not here, right? right. And, and so it's nobody... Nobody else's fault that you're still here and not traded. That's life. That's how it goes. One must seek work where he is wanted, where he is needed. I am thankful for what these past two years have taught me. Now I must take on another challenge with continued hard work and dedication. For those of you who closed the door on me, thank you. Be back soon. That was a September tweet. All caps. Okay. That uh, was the all caps one. Was it all caps? That was all caps. Yeah. That was in September. Caps Just, lock. Yeah. yeah, must go work where 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 you wanted. And obviously he's basically saying he's not wanted here in Phoenix. <laughs> but I... I is that true? Can that be true? I, I, I mean, it, if the Suns had the opportunity, Jay Crowder said, "Okay, never mind. I'm good. I'm back. I'll play. I'll be. I'll be a You'd backup." Be stupid not to play. You'd him. be crazy not to want. Yeah, he's him a back, good player. Right? He can help you. He's a good player. He can help you. Yeah, there's no reason. I mean, this I'm, isn't. A, this isn't um, Alfred Payton we're talking about. Okay, this is Jay Crowder. He's a solid. He's a solid player in this league for a long time. He can help you win basketball games. Yeah. He has helped the Suns win a lot of basketball he has. games. He has. He brings him a toughness. I've talked about the intangibles, right? He's the guy that can get on Monty. He's the guy that can get on Book. He's the guy that can get on Chris. He's the only guy that can do that. He's the only one that can do it. If he wanted to play here, I think he would have played here. Except, I think he made an issue about the contract. It wasn't about Cam. It was more about the about the contract. I don't want to go into the last year of my deal playing off the bench and having my numbers go down because that will affect me. Yeah, and, and that's that statement he released to Chris Haynes last week basically said it has nothing to do with me being a backup. Nothing at all, which kind of implied it had everything to do with the money. I would assume that they would say, and again, I don't want to give anybody any false hope that he's wanting to come back. There's been absolutely no indication that that's the case. I got to imagine from his perspective he's getting very frustrated that nothing's happened. Right? I mean, he's because he's, you talk about not being able to earn your next contract. He's not earning his next contract right now. He's just sitting at home watching the NBA. He's sitting at home tweeting, firing off all cap tweets at Stat Muse and anybody else who well, will listen. Who knows? Account. Don't forget his burner account. Sarah Miller, his burner account. Sarah Miller? Yeah, didn't most people like, didn't most people, you guys can chime in. You got, oh, basically with what, this. what I, happened was I, somebody, burner account. somebody tweeted, I went to the Suns game and I, I tried to buy a yeah. Jay Crowder oh, jersey. Oh, that Crowder one, jersey right. one. Okay, and, yeah. okay her. Yeah. and some people were able to figure out based on the way he usually writes things in a way this, that, that's a burner account. <laughs> I he did. turns the caps off. He's like, I got him fooled. <laughs> I got him fooled, yeah. I, okay, see, I had lost track of that. I didn't realize there was a theory that that was Jay's Yeah, yeah. Okay. You look closer. The follower and following count was in the single digit. Like, like an account that was just like was created just for the purpose of... Yeah. Sarah Miller. <laughs> Sarah M I two eight four three six three one zero. You could just say, and that's why I like. Okay, it's his burner account. He's got a burner, <laughs> right? Wasn't that like a big thing with Brian Colangelo? Oh yeah. Dude, I'll oh, tell he- you, like when 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 uh, Chandler Jones made that comment about my wife, how much for the girl in your Avi, and then about an hour later, he apologized to me and said I got hacked. I had 50, 50 messages within ten minutes. He didn't get hacked because what he's sending you is coming from the same I don't know, IP address or something. Like, people are able to figure 
that out. Hey, listen, he didn't get hacked because the apology is coming from the same account that set the how much for you the girl and your, your the girl in your avi, which is my <laughs> wife. So people are able. I don't know how to do that stuff, but other people are able to do, like he's he's sending you the same message from the same phone. Freaking bum. When we come yeah. back on the Burns and Gambo show, so your offense is good, huh? So you've got a great rookie class, huh? Well, good for you, Brock Heward. <laughs> Seattle sports co-host and Brock and Sock joins us next on the Burns Very and nice. Gambo show. <laughs> Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. So we've been talking all week, really all season, about the Cardinals' struggles to just get a play in on time. All the timeouts they've had to burn, all the timeouts they haven't had available late in games because of all the timeouts they've had to burn. An and, ongoing occurrence. Uh, yes, it, it's just every week. It doesn't ever every seem like week. it's not going to be an issue. Well, all we have to do is turn to our friends up there in the Pacific Northwest because apparently up there it was an issue and it's just not anymore. Versus this Constant stress in scramble mode. And oh my gosh, look at the play clock. Are they going to get the play clock off? Oh my gosh, we're going to have to burn a timeout. There's like none of it. It is so unbelievably refreshing. Good for you, Brock. Must be nice. Good, wow. for, good for yeah, you. Yeah, that must be nice to get good, a play in. Good for you. We we actually talked about you quite a bit yesterday. We played some sound bites from your show. Thank you for giving oh, us some uh, some content. No, we we, yeah. we we weren't ripping you. We're not. Oh, I mean, good. Not, no, no I'm jealous because <laughs> jealous. we can't get a play call pure, in to save our lives. Pure envy down here. We're it's yelling just, at each other. Where where we yeah. have the quarterback yelling at the at the coach to calm the blank down. We. I mean, every game. I mean, we you know we've got Cliff Bingo that we play with the quotes that Cliff's going to say. But every, you can count on it. Every single week, they're going to take a timeout to avoid a delay a game. Like clockwork, every single week, they do it. Well, that's what it was with Russell, too. I mean, honestly, that for years and years and years and years. And we thought, wow, maybe it's just too many too many chefs in the kitchen. There's Tom Cable and, and Daryl Bevel and, and Pete had a say. And there's just too, there's too much. And then Bevel's out. Cable's out, and they bring in Shotty, Schottenheimer. And, well, you know, that maybe it's just, gosh, those two just aren't on the same page. And then Shotty was, like, up in, up in the booth, and then he's down on the field. And they're just trying to get on the same page. And and now, no Russell, and it's Gino and Shane Waldron, and it's and, – and now watch. Like, they're going to have to burn, like, three timeouts this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you jinxed them. You totally jinxed them. Yeah. And the Cardinals' operation will be seamless. That's right. And that's right. smooth and perfect. Brock's- but they have been so good this year. And the Cardinals do, honestly. They do stress that for an offense because of all the pressure looks and everything they, they do at the line of scrimmage to try to, to try to mess with your counts and mess with your protection. So the Cardinals are a little more difficult defense for Geno and crew to handle. But even in the first matchup, it wasn't a problem. And we used to make fun of Pete. Salk made fun of Pete every Monday. Like, do you not like timeouts? Do you, do you just, do you want to burn them? Is this, is it in your contract? Do you get incentives to burn con, to burn wow. timeouts? Yeah. And that, that narrative been gone this year, man. Let's 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 talk Geno Smith. We have to start there. Four teams in four different years: the Jets, the Giants, the Chargers, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I saw him in New York plenty of times. I didn't think this guy. I was surprised this guy was still in the league. What has happened to where he has gone from this journeyman quarterback, just trying to hang on, yeah. to being a guy that's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, statistic-wise? Well, he knew that this would be his last chance to be a starter, and he knew of all the teams in the league and there wasn't much of a market for him in the offseason he signed back in Seattle on a minimum deal with some incentives and he'll make 
you know, at this pace, somewhere between three and six million bucks because he's going to hit every incentive imaginable. And this was going to be the best situation for him. He knew the system. Uh, I, I think he he changed his body a little bit, not dramatically, but he's in the best shape. You know, you guys say that all the time, oh, he's in the best shape of his life. But he is. I mean, just athletically, he's he's more agile than he had been the previous three years as a backup. And, you know, we had Rich Gannon on our show last week, and that's the guy that Pete pointed to to say, hey, there have been guys late in their career where it comes together, where they bank all that banked experience as a backup and all of those mental reps and all that time. The, the Rich Gannon was the name that came to Pete's mind. So we had Rich on our show and kind of asked him, what happened? What, what happened for you in Oakland? And he said the same thing that's happened in the Geno. Uh, John Gruden put his arm around me. And for the first time, I wasn't looking around. For the first time, I didn't look over my shoulder. For the first time, Al Davis and John Gruden said, you're our guy. And you're going to be our guy. And we believe in you. And Pete has done the same thing to infuse that confidence. Gino is an accurate passer. He's number one in the league, obviously in completion percentage. But more importantly, the next level stats, as far as missed throws, right? They, they judge those as on-target throws. Mm-hmm. He's the only QB in the league with a single-digit percentage of, of misses. So he's over 90% on target. Number one in the NFL. And these aren't just little bubble screens and little stick routes. I mean, he's throwing deep outs. He's throwing seam shots. He's throwing in cuts. He's throwing deep overs. I mean, it is just as, it's as shocking as anything we have ever seen in our market. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, he wasn't even in the top 35 preseason, like power rankings for quarterbacks. And now he legitimately, legitimately, he's a comeback player of the year if the season ended today. And he keeps playing like this. He's going to be there with Mahomes and Allen, which he is statistically at yeah. the end of the season. With Brock Hewer joining us from 710 ESPN in Seattle, our good friend. We have him on all the time to preview Seahawks games. We just had Brock on a few weeks ago because they just played a few weeks ago. And that that's kind of what I want to focus on, Brock, a little bit is three weeks ago we have you on and we're talking about a Seattle defense that just looked Putrid. like junk, right? Putrid. Putrid. I'm just garbage, hot garbage. And the transformation that's happened there Explain that to me in our audience, because that that to me is where the story is for the Seattle Seahawks during this win streak you guys are on. Yeah, they have finally tied together the the front end to the to the back end, uh, the defensive line to the second level to the safeties. They got rid of Josh Jones from the lineup. He could not play at safety. He was killing them the first three weeks of the season. Missed tackles, explosive plays, could not make a tackle in the open field. So they replaced him with Ryan Neal, who played last year, was injured in camp. And he is just solid. He's a good pro. He's not elite, but he is a good pro in Jamal absence, in Jamal Adams' absence, and replacing Josh Jones. So personnel-wise, that's number one. Number two, they were trying to play a lot of this like big, heavy package, these bare fronts where you cover people up, but they were about a yard off the ball. So they're two-gapping, trying to just catch everything and don't get blown off the ball. Don't penetrate necessarily. Don't get blown off the ball. So just play this like stalemate at the line. But it was it was terrible. It's just not in the DNA of any of those guys, Apuna Ford and Shelby Harris and any of them. So they they quite honestly scrapped a lot of that and said, forget it. We're done with this. We're done. We're done putting Daryl Taylor there. We're done playing this just passive catch everything. And not that they're Arizona, not that they're blitzing, not that they're going crazy like that. 
but you will see it. They're just aggressive. They're trying to shock and, and shed blocks and, and win at the line of scrimmage. They're doing more of it, and they're just creating a confidence and a belief that was just, well, it wasn't there in the first matchup a month ago. Brock, I'm a big addition by subtraction guy. Not believing that, you know, there could be a good player on, on a team, but it's an addition by subtraction, letting him go, go somewhere else. You had it with two players, not only yeah. Russ, but they also released, you know, longtime star linebacker Bobby Wagner. Do you believe that those were addition yeah. by subtraction for Seattle? Yeah, I'm a big believer in human nature in my own life experience. And, and I played in Indy with a, a superstar, and it was so often like, oh, Peyton will, Peyton will handle it. Oh, Peyton's got it. Oh, Peyton will take care of it. Yeah, Peyton's making whatever. Peyton's a man. You know, and, and it, I think with Bobby and Russell, those are your two captains. And I think that there was a feeling like, yeah, yeah those guys, will, they'll take care of it. You know, you heard uh, Tyler Lockett say earlier in the week, and he he downplayed it afterwards. But, he, you know, his point was, hey, man, you know, amazing things happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. Pete Carroll said to Salk and I on Monday that Geno's just one of the guys. Neither of those, I think, are rip jobs of Russell nor Bobby or anything else. But, yeah, to your point, man, when everybody else has to pick it up, when you become that blue-collar team and you don't care who gets the credit, when you don't have the highest-paid corner, highest-paid safety, highest-paid middle linebacker, highest-paid quarterback, which is where they were rolling over the years with, with some tremendous players who earn those contracts, and it's a bunch of young, hungry, starving, I want I, I want to get fed, I want to prove that I can play, and let's, let's, let's face it, guys, all of the genius starts with Geno, and Pete's been terrific with the team build, but we're not talking in this manner if five rookies were not difference makers. I mean, this rookie class, right, yeah. this rookie class has changed, and, and, and it's, a, it's still a rebuild. I mean, they've not accomplished anything. I don't think they can sustain this, but they certainly are going to, with one more win, uh, be the over in Vegas, which was a five and a half at the beginning of the season. But they're here because Tariq Woolen, Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, Ken Walker, Kobe Bryant, and Boye Mafe. Six guys. Five of them are every down, are, are turning into every down starters. I mean, it's just, yeah. it goes back to the 2012 class. In 2012, it was Russell, it was Bruce, it was Bobby, it was um, J.R. Sweezy, who you guys know down there. It was Robert Turbin. It was Jay Howard. I mean, it was... It, a lot that, better than Bradley Wettow playing offensive uh, line. Yeah, yeah, quite a, no Bradley quite a distinction I, between those days. So we were here, we were in the same spot last year. The Cardinals were 7-0, and then they were 10-2, and and all of a sudden this team that had won, I don't know, eight games the year before, and then five games the year before, and then five games the year before that. Yeah. But the expectations changed. They, when you get off to a great start and you're in first place, yep. all of a sudden, just like you know, getting to the playoffs isn't enough. Are you at that point in Seattle right now where the expectation you're all alone in first place? Had the expectations changed on how far this team should go? Yeah, for me, they have. I think now that when they play this game, and they've played it for three weeks against three different opponents, right? Against the system in Arizona, uh, a Chargers team that, you know, was in their building and, and Herbert was playing, and then to do it against the physical Giants team on Sunday. They've played this style of game, and that's when you know, you know, it's, it's going pretty good when you can consistently do that. I don't think they're a division winner. I don't think that they're going to host a playoff game, but in this NFC, why not 
why not a playoff team, right? If, if they play at this level. Now, do the rookies concern me? Absolutely. Could they hit a wall late in the year? You better believe it. This Sunday concern me? Yes. Because I think it's desperation in Arizona. Oh, yeah. I mean, you fall to three and six and get swept by the Seahawks in a rebuild year. I think Mr. Bidwell is looking at operations and going, what in the heck is going on here? And what are we doing? So you're going to get desperation. Nuke, Nuke Hopkins is playing this time around. He didn't in the first matchup. They got after, and you know, the home crowd in Seattle was feeding that D line, got after Kyler Murray, made him uncomfortable. It should be a little bit different in Arizona this week. So yeah, I think you're facing desperation, which is always a very dangerous animal in the NFL. Brother, you ain't lying. Brock, as always, you're awfully, awfully good to us to come on the way you do. We appreciate the time, man. We'll talk always soon. Always okay? fun, boys. Yeah. You bet. Say hi to Robbie Ray for us. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. What? One more shot on the way out the door. Hey, thanks, Brock, for being a good guy. Now let me just get a little dig on the way out the door, right? Uh, I yeah. mean, listen, they're in first place. I mean, I gotta, I gotta come up with something negative about Seattle. I'm running away in the top. Goodbye. Bye, Brock. Yeah, Brock here with everybody from 710 ESPN in Seattle. When we come back, Coyotes, they're getting acclimated to their new home in Tempe. How has their general manager, Bill Armstrong, viewed the recent stretch by his guys at Mullet Arena? We'll talk with Bill next on the Burns and Gambo Show.